Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. It's uh, Roxanne Durhage. Thanks for tuning in again to Authentic Living with Roxanne. So today I have a, a special guest, Catherine Jansen Burkett, and she is um, someone that has a, a, I would say, a quite similar background to me in some sense. She's an author. She also speaks. She educates, and she's a licensed professional counselor with over 15 years of clinical experience. She. Uh, has a holistic approach when she works with individuals to focus on personal growth, relationship transformation, and embodied wakefulness as part of one's spiritual path. So welcome, Catherine. Thank you, Roxanne. It's lovely to be with you. So I know when you and I chatted uh, a little while back, we talked a little bit about people like you and I, we pick these fields and we go into them. And I would say, based on lots of different reasons, we kind of adopt the element of introspection or maybe um, you know, reflecting when we deal with people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure that the average person kind of probably does that very often. Mm, yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. That's why um, in the first aspect, I, I worked with and explored in my book of on wakefulness was relationship to self and a piece of that is self-awareness just becoming more self-aware is transformational for so many people they've kind of just been on autopilot so that reflective that reflectiveness um, is so important and so helpful on on that path of evolving and being our most conscious self for sure. So let's let's talk a little bit about did you did you always want to do this kind of work? Um, was it a was it a passion of yours that you mm. followed, or how did you end up doing this kind of work? Well, it was a quite a quite a journey because um, it really, in a way, started with trauma. My dad, um, he's passed now, but he was a therapist, but that was not my original calling. It was actually to be an attorney, but through the divorce and a way that he left, although he and I repaired greatly, um, the damage that had been done, um, I kind of imploded at 16 years old. So I attempted suicide, thankfully, obviously did not complete that and, and left high school, moved to San Francisco but a piece of my journey was food addiction. And so once I realized, okay, I wanna come back to Oregon where I was from, San Francisco was lovely and really I, I, I kind of got out of Dodge and I started to heal. Um, on the way to become an attorney, you can get a bachelor's degree in anything. So I'm like, well, I really wanna reclaim my body and my health. I'd always been healthy before, before what had happened. You know, My pain was kind of manifest in, again in food addiction. So I was quite heavy. And so as I went down that road, health just was so important to me. 
it became my career um, and then went further to become a master's degree in public health. And I worked in that field for um, itself almost 20 years, 15 to 20 years. So it was at 39, actually, when I was on a personal retreat that I kind of got the call from the universe to be a therapist. And so it's like, whoa, that involves a whole nother master's degree and, and I already have benefits and I'm raising children and it wasn't convenient but it's been incredible. So I was very much in love with public health, but it was time to do something different. And this, this really came through and my partner was great about it. And now I've been in private practice the whole time um, and I've written this book and it's incredibly fulfilling. So I, I think your work feels the same to you. Yes. Yes. And I uh, probably took a different path than you. I started at 21. I mm-hmm. got into psychotherapy at 21 and, uh, because, you know, when I went to school, when I, I grew up in Trinidad and Tobago in the Caribbean, um, mm. you know, I saw some, you know, dysfunction with my parents' marriage. And mm. what I, and I remember thinking there's nobody to, you know, to talk to um, mm. back then. And I remember kind yeah. of just being able to connect at a really young age. And, but to, in, in connecting, I could also offer a space for others that I would speak to. and and I kind of thought maybe you know I don't want to become a doctor a lawyer an engineer or a teacher maybe there's there's something I could do (laughs) Mm, Um, through talking and that's kind of I think at about age age 12 or 11 or 12 I decided I I wanted to help and kind of took that path um, you know and went into school quite young and and um, and then got into the field my very first job was a uh, responding to trauma, uh, uh, mm. victims of crime mm. at 21. And now I think wow. back, you know, what, what did I know uh, <laughs> at, that, at that point? Right. And, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. have loved it and been able to do lots of different things in the field since. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about, let's pick up on that whole concept of that authentic self, you know, you know that I talk a lot about that and about awareness mm-hmm. and, and really, mm-hmm. you know, spending t- that time in that internal space. I would say that, you know, in the last year and a bit, the world has been forced to become more conscious. Mm-hmm. And what you're seeing with people that you deal with and how are they dealing with I'm, I'm going to say it's almost like a beckoning to consciousness or, mm-hmm. um, or recognizing yeah. that maybe their own unconsciousness is getting in their way. What have you been seeing with the people that you've been dealing with? Well, I think for many people, COVID, it, um, as it was incredibly frightening, if not the hardship of getting ill or losing a family member, was very much a wake-up call. Um, And wake-up calls can go a lot of different directions. Wake-up calls can be, I'm really in an unhealthy relationship and it's time to go. Um, A wake-up call can be, um, I don't, I want to know I'm, I have immunity um, or a strong immune system. So I'm going to take different care of my body, even though I can't be as active because I can't go to the gym. So I've been saying to my clients throughout the year, you know, we don't have to get back on all the horses. Um, just because life will go back to what we experienced as normal, 
we've changed. Something is different. And that's a good thing. And again, it comes with hardship. And I want to be so respectful of, of that. Even just the social justice stuff that happened in the middle of all of this, with the trial happening in the States for George Floyd today, I believe it starts, oh, and yes. realizing um, between you know, the toxicity of individualism and our loss of true community and in a way tribe. And then with COVID loss of tribe, because I can't see my people, I can't touch my people. That excites me to think about some of these things actually. And there are deeper themes um, about how important we are to one another. You know, we know that for babies, babies can be impacted in terms of touch and love and attachment failure to thrive. But we are all that. So to me, I, I just am coaching and counseling clients to really listen to that inner voice, the, the inner voice within. And again, who you are in 2021 now might be a different authentic you than uh, a year ago um, with all that you've experienced. Mm -hmm. So what do you find, you know, what I, when I've been coaching people, I, the people have massive anxiety and mm -hmm. they're also having a lot of issues sleeping. Those are seem to be the mm -hmm. two main pervasive things. Uh, is that something that you're also kind of having people um, yes. present yes. with? Okay. Yes. Yeah. And I seem to draw though. I, I professionally and personally have no judgment for those that um, are helped by medication, especially when you combine therapy. But um, and I seem to draw a lot of clients that are trying to really walk the walk on their own. So, you know, they're they don't want to take a sleeping pill at night and they are very anxious. And a few deep breaths doesn't always do the trick. You know, they practice mindfulness. They've done a little meditation. So, um, that's another piece in my book. And it was so important. That's the second chapter of my book is freedom from the mind because anxiety is so driven by an anxious mind and thoughts we believe and rabbit holes we go down. So that's a tool that I really work with right away, even if somebody doesn't present with anxiety to make sure they have a sense of how to work with that part of their humanity so that I am not at the mercy of my thinking um, with all the wildness of that. So, you know, sometimes it's inner dialogue kinds of work. Um, sometimes it's about being honest about lifestyle in terms of the contrib contribution that can make to overall health, which, which includes sleep and, and less anxiety. Um, I, I love that you did, said that in the intro. I really tried to pull together a holistic kind of approach to wellness. Um, and so I think body practices are hugely important in contending with anxiety. So let's let's talk a little bit about that, because I, you know, when I was got into the field years and years ago, um, the concept of the somatic, which is basically for people mm -hmm. that may not understand that concept, something that we live with and deal with and teach people all the time. But the somatic back in, you know, goodness, in, 19, in the 1980s, I think maybe maybe in certain Western parts of the war, I mean, Eastern parts, philosophies, Western parts of maybe the US were more in alignment with that. Yes. Yes. And, you know, and we've come along so much. And, and I know you and I talked a little bit, I you know that I've done um, EMDR, which is a body therapy, mm -hmm. um, you know, mm -hmm. for years and years and years. And then, you know, you kind of look at what's happened um, 
you know, with people not sleeping, not being aware. I think in 2020, my sense is that it's almost like if you had some bad habits, <laughs> it mm. became a bit more exponential in that I could probably kind of get away with it. But being locked in, being worried about people dying, um, being worried about, you know, what really is happening in the world. Uh, like you said, yeah. all the civil un unrest, that's a lot for the average person. Yes. All of us, yes. like I mean, me included, yes. I, I would say to people, yes. if you, if you, if anybody tells you, you, you know, you're not stressed or anxious in 2020, I'm going to say, do you have a pulse? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, yeah. Because we all will go through heightened levels. Well, let's talk a little bit about what you do with your body, right? Because like to your point, like people say, oh, I'm anxious. And people say, oh, take some breaths or go, you know, do little things. And we know that anxiety is a whole, to, to recover from anxiety, there are so many variables that you have to get into. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the body and how yeah. that plays yeah, through I the mind. That. Yeah, well, so kind of the, the, the body follows wherever the mind goes. So just to reiterate, we want to start with, can I be in this moment? Can I not follow every thought and believe it? And that will, that will start to settle the nervous system. But then body practices and deeper body practices, like you say, a few breaths, maybe did it in 2018 or 2015, you know, but there, there's a whole nother level. And I would even say the politics last year were another thing. And then the Pacific Northwest, we had wildfires. It was like one thing. It was a pylon, a pylon. And it was like, well, okay, so you are resilient and we have to dig deep and kind of find a new threshold. And so these the tools in the wheelhouse to deal with how the, the human system is absorbing all of that. Because even if we tell ourselves it's okay, there's a level of angst because of the uncertainty, you know, we were going to just flatten a curve for two weeks and then it was just going to be till June. And then it just snowballed. And so that um, I, what I also teach is just appreciating there as much as you can establish a sense of safety and kind of have that conversation with your body actually about that, that you can feel scared and we don't know if we're going to get COVID, but right now and in this moment, we are safe. I think much deeper states of that were necessary for people to find. And so um, if you've never had you know, conversation with your body, that's a great place to start. If you don't know how to kind of do some soothing exercises, whether it's yoga, whether it is longer meditation and deeper breathing and breath work, um, even um, massage, just having um, um, body work done is a way to just kind of think about your system as a whole system that needs, needs to be soothed. Mm -hmm. That yeah. concept, I mean, I know you and I know what that means, but mm -hmm. let's, let's kind of dissect that a little bit more for people, because I often say, you know, to people, you know, when you were young, um, you know, you had that warm, fuzzy blanket that you kind of mm -hmm. probably took around as a child, mm -hmm. but as adults, we're kind of like, we don't want to kind of dialogue about that kind of stuff, right? It's kind of yeah. like we're supposed yeah. to keep it hidden, but I would say that yeah. this has been brought yes. to the light that much more, you know, in the last yes. little while. So like, what's, what's your routines? Um, and, you know, yeah. a lot of businesses, you know, executives talk about rituals and stuff like that, but it's so much deeper in that 
I know for myself, Catherine, for instance, um, I walked um, through the snow sometimes for an hour and a half a day, sometimes yeah. just because yeah. I was stuck in my house and, and then doing the kind of work that we did. And uh, a friend of mine and I would walk sometimes upwards of three to five times a, a week. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, she yeah. said to me the other day and I agreed with her. She said, you know, I think we protected our mental health really, really well through exactly. this time. Exactly. And, you know, I, I walked alone, but I also walked with her, which was a difference. And, you know, yeah. I, and that was something. And I walked, I mean, I walked, but I had never walked in such a way that I got clarity even when I didn't even think I was looking for clarity. Yeah, I hear you. You know, there's some research and I can't quote it. I apologize. But uh, that couples actually do better if they walk and talk versus they just sit down to process something. That's just kind of an aside I'm thinking of. But um, the monotony, the lack of mobility and the profound aloneness those things. So even I, th I was thinking of this when you were a young therapist at 21, you might not have known a lot about how to really work with that level of trauma. But what you did, Roxanne, was provide company. And I think what I have over the years of my clinical practice, um, as much as in my personal life, but especially seeing the power of undoing aloneness, mm -hmm. um, rather than analytics and problem solving. And of course we can't fix COVID. We had to deal with COVID. So there wasn't a problem we could fix. We had no control, but undoing aloneness. So you were with a friend, some of those times that's huge for our mental health. Again, that sense of getting out of this individualism that is so um, unhelpful. But then I was saying to people, mix it up, move your body. You can't fly anywhere. You're not going someplace, but just go to a different room for your next Zoom call. Have a different, don't do Taco Tuesdays or put something di different in them this week to spice it up. You know, it was, it's just so long to be in what, you know, the research would say just as um, like forced isolation. They've done research on it, you know, with astronauts and other, other groups and people go a little very wild toward the end. It's called third quarter um, restlessness. And so just working with our own system, as it sounds like you did, and kind of seeing what you can do, because there was so much loss in what we couldn't do. Mm -hmm. And again, no endpoints. So we couldn't keep waiting for it to maybe turn around next month or, you know, and hope we didn't get a spike. Yeah, sure. I think people understand their mental health. Um, you know, I was saying on a podcast a year ago, yes, we need to prevent a public health crisis, but we also need to prevent a mental health crisis. Um, I absolutely agree. And, you know, what I've, I've seen is that, you know, situations that people were struggling with before COVID, if they didn't really come to terms with it and, and really almost sit with it at a deep, deep level, those mm -hmm. behaviors have gotten... Um, unfortunately gone in the wrong directions where the coping strategies have gotten more defective or, or dysfunctional. Exactly. Um, yeah, there's, you know, the suicide rate is up, as you will know, or may have talked about on your show, but just the low people have gained weight, they were eating, they weren't moving, um, the alcohol, alcohol use and abuse has gone up. And so um, it's a time to kind of shake off uh, those coping strategies and 
and again, maybe use this time as a return to normal, um, kind of doubling down maybe on the commitment to one's health, mental health and, and physical health um, as we go back into having a lot of choices. But yeah, the, it, COVID lifted, you know, the veils lifted. You just, we saw really hard stuff. We saw amazing stuff. Um, it was kind of, uh, there was nowhere else to turn because like you said, it was kind of that deeper quieting that one had to do um, because of just um, how, how still life was. Right. And even if you try to escape, the reality is, you know, you can't you can't run from yourself, especially when you're physically. Um, I don't care if you lived in a mansion That's or right. if you lived in, in you right. know, a two by four room. You, at, at, for the first time, I think a lot of people were recognizing the diversions, which there's a lot of healthy diversions as well. You know, yeah. we couldn't use that yeah. to, to get some of the benefits that we used to in the past. That's right. Yeah, I, I think um, it's, again, a relationship. I like to say these words, um, who are you and is your life, your body and your relationships are all of those a reflection of who you are. So if I am self-loving, then what I put into my body is loving and I exercise, but I don't exercise. And if I'm stressed maybe that bath or the walk or a call to a friend versus a beer or a glass of wine or vegging out on too much, too much screen time. Like it, 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 it almost, it has forced so many people to have to face, like you said, their low hanging fruit of these were not great habits. Um, but, but they, they were more in moderation in, until this last year. So again, that's a good thing because it's like really facing, um, you know, not that many people feel like their life is soon to be over, but in a way we're all on borrowed time. So um, both for longevity and vitality's sake, what is your relationship to um, that part of your life, how you take care of yourself or don't? Yeah. So let's yeah. talk about the book and okay. the concepts. And I'm going to assume that this book would have, you know, would have been valuable to a lot of people because I think, you know, a lot of people are looking for direction. They're looking for a deeper, deeper connection to themselves yes. and to the world. And, and you, you know, like meaning and purpose, I think has been brought, I know in my life, it's been brought me more to thinking about, okay, I know why I'm here. I know what I've done. I know what I love, but what, what now? Yeah, exactly. Well, um, I split the book into two parts, the inner world and the outer world. And I really believe in my own journey and in very much in my practice, change comes from the inside out. So I defined um, the sense of self as, as not the ego self, not just the individual human self. We are human, but something more. And I left it just as a kind of a state of presence, connection to something bigger outside of me. Some people would call that God. Other people would not call that God. I really steered away from that because that wasn't really the point. I think we all can have that sense of what sources us is us. That like, you know, this incredible, powerful energy um, that, that we are, that animates this human body of you and I, for example. So, but so many people in the, when they think about a relationship to self, um, 
it's a very dangerous, very negative, very critical. So my first foundation of the book is establishing who am I? I'm something, I am not just my individual self, but connected to something larger. And it includes my intrinsic worth, which is a huge piece of my clinical practice. Many people don't really embody intrinsic worth and intrinsic belonging. So I had to set the tone of the book of who is this river that is Catherine moving toward this ocean, which is the vastness that is the source of life. And then I went to the mind, the body, mindfulness, embracing death and dying. And then in the outer part, relationships, finding your way in a troubled world. I believe we're connected to nature and we're part of nature. So I actually have an aspect on nature. And then for those that don't have an assigned religion, but they really identify as spiritual, just some ideas about finding one's own spiritual path. But what I did, Roxanne, is I put in practices because a lot of these ideas are great ideas and I'm not the first to present them. But how do you go from not having intrinsic worth to having it? We have to change our brain. That's neural pathway work. So I would have an idea in a section. I would have practices to start to manifest that in one's life. And then I would have an inspiring story from the field. So most of them weren't me. I have a few of my stories. Um, many of my clients, of course, with their permission and not their real names, a few of my children are in the book because I felt like I needed to say this is real. Actually, somebody really is doing this. Like I have a client who um, was diagnosed with bipolar and that used to be his only definition of himself. Mm -hmm. And in the section, it's called path versus pathology. He still takes medication, although a lot less. But this was a way to wake up to this is this got me to therapy and has been part of my path, but but a very different kind of way to to hold it as as his. So that's a very long description but of the book. No, but, but it, there sounds, you go. it sounds fantastic because I would oh, think that you. you know um, because like like with all of us, like for instance, I'm, I'm using my walk again, but I remember when I would go to my on my walks. The first 45 minutes, nothing would kick in when I was on my own. But the mm-hmm. latter part of my walk, um, I would, you know, so I would maybe be reflecting on something maybe, right? And then mm-hmm. I would get a voice, a deep down, mm-hmm. I, I, I was like, okay, is this me? <laughs> is this me? Yeah. Is that? And then I, w- I would get these messages that would say, hey, whatever, you know, I was thinking about, maybe you should think about this or have you considered this and I'm like and then I'd be like and I'd be telling my sister after and she goes okay you okay I'm like I'm fine but then and then I realized that it was basically messages that were coming from my bigger space with it from wherever and I could formulate after not when I was walking but after I came back and maybe I kind of thought about it after I'm like Mm -hmm. wow this is this is something that maybe not consciously been recognizing that I've been thinking about but maybe something that's been in my space yes, and exactly. you know and I was trying to capture it this is me now because I'm like okay I yes. like that but guess what it wouldn't come what I wanted it to come <laughs> right well see what I what I'm hearing that I love is the sense of emergence so something came from deep within or beyond or both however we want to language that that wasn't your mind trying to problem solve and analyze and and think your way there and so there was movement there was some time you didn't try to have this happen in seven minutes it was even after 45 there was a patience in that and then 
it arose. And that is how truth, that is how our own inner wisdom, that is how our own inner guidance happens. And so I really love that you're sharing that. Um, to take the time and create the space, um, we had, there is so much um, internally that is available. Yeah. So let's say the average person is listening and they go, okay, Roxanne and Catherine, this is all solid as well and good. You two kind of, you know, <laughs> hang out in that space. But I, you know, I'm, I'm, t- I'm having a tough time. I'm anxious or depressed. You know, I'm stuck at home potentially until, you know, whenever, or, you know, I'm juggling a spouse and working at home with my children and all that stuff. Where do I just start like to yeah. start? I hear you. Well, and I wrote the book, each of these aspects you can actually dive into. So say um, all of a sudden I have some kind of a person in my life with a terminal illness. I might start with embracing death and dying and, and beginning to think about how does one actually navigate that wakefully? Um, I, my book is all about the grit because I might personally, I've um, had a temper and I had to really face that and face the consequences of that. Um, I am 30 years into my marriage, though I'm a kid of a divorce. So I'm always amazed that we're doing it with six children and 10 uh-huh. grandchildren. And we have a huge tribe. And it's really in the messy that is the powerful stuff. This isn't about you and I just having a nice conversation conceptually about what it is to be awake and live consciously. It's actually in the hard stuff. And so to me, it's not, you know, transcendent of our circumstances. It's through our circumstances. So if we can meet, for example, that anxiety and depression without judgment and with curiosity and shame and without shame, wow, now I'm experiencing this, not I am depressed kind of thing. And then, and where do I go? And if I listen deeply, what would my depression speak to? What do I know? Um, whatever is sourcing that would, you know, if we are aware and we make space for that awareness, it will often come or with the help of a professional or a coach. And so I think we always have to start right where we are. Um, if we have a difficult relationship in our lives, we go very slowly and simply and we start there. So what is one way this relationship and I in it could be myself at best and differently than um, I've been? And then I'm, I'm part of a changing dynamic, even though I'm not trying to change someone else. So I come, as you can tell, from a, um, a quite an empowerment kind of place that uh, there's, there's a lot that um, pulses within us in terms of um, the influence we have over our own lives. But people can feel pretty downtrodden, feel pretty helpless, um, feel pretty separate from others. And so um, we don't know that we have those capacities always for sure. So for people that would want to, you know, kind of look at, you know, what my intrinsic value is, or I'm going through loss, or I'm petrified about loss, because, you know, of where we're at, and we're talking about the first vaccine and the second one, and we're not going to be completely fine, and we may never be fine. So that, 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 that fear, you know, is real, you know, in a lot of people's brains, where could they pick up the book, um, or even reach out to you to to be able to, to gain more information? 
Sure. Well, if they want a signed copy, they can go to my website, which is harborglowholistic.com. Um, but the book River to Ocean, Living the Flow of Wakefulness is also on Audible. If they want to listen, I have a great narrator, a wonderful woman named Leslie Howard, um, who narrated it. And um, it's also on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, some of the independent um, sources. So there's different ways to get a hold of the book. And um, I, I wrote this book because for some people, they won't ever see a therapist. They can't afford a therapist. Um, and I just, there have been so many therapists and, and spiritual teachers that have helped me and I can be my children's therapist. I really wrote this book as a, as a handbook. You're going through this, see, you know, there, there's hope. Basically, it feels like a book of hope. And again, not a memoir, but my story is throughout and I have had my own struggles and I decided to be super transparent about that um, because I think that's how we can um, offer that hand <laughs> to someone else and undo their aloneness, even though I may not meet them. Um, my practice is super full, so I'm not necessarily taking a lot of new clients, um, but I do do retreats as well. So I've had people sometimes do uh, wakefulness retreats or um, couples retreats. I do a lot of couples work. So awesome! I would love to hear from your listeners. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. Mm -hmm. And for everybody, you know, what's one thing I'm uh, taking away? You know, do not underestimate um, the impact of movement and what it allows you to do, which is to get out of your conscious mind and get into your unconscious space and every time you think, oh, I don't know what to do, uh, to Catherine's point, just say, what are you trying to tell me? What are you trying to show me? And, you know, it, that's a space that we all have within ourselves. And I always call it, it that deep, authentic voice. But we, we need to quiet the noise and of, that, of our digital spaces, which is robbing us of that peace of mind to be able to listen. So try, even if you start just for five minutes to, to slow your mind, um, it's like anything else. It's like, you know, you know doing a, a bicep curl, it gets easier each and every time, even though it might be painful at first, which we all know that slowing the mind um, and listening to the bodies is not, not an easy thing. So Catherine, thanks so much for your time again. Mm, and thank you for having me. And all, all the information about being able to connect with her will be in the show notes. And for myself, if you're looking for um, guidance on authentic leadership, either at home or at work, you can reach me at RoxanneDurhodge.com. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhajcom slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.